ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier, and along with Kate Spencer, I host Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. Join us every Wednesday with guests like author Phoebe Robinson, chef Samin Nosrat, actress Busy Phillips, and even former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. On Mondays and Fridays, we have mini episodes where we answer listeners' questions on everyday problems like how useful a butt mask really is, how to deal with a petty friend, or how to relax after a long day. So join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Forever 35, where we're not experts, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, a daily rundown of all things Vice. It's Tuesday, December 12th. I'm Jesse Maiko. Today, we're looking forward to the 2018 House elections. But first, the headlines. A 27-year-old Bangladeshi man named Akayed Ullah allegedly exploded a pipe bomb in an underground subway passageway near Times Square Monday morning. The suspect had an explosive device strapped to himself. Four bystander injuries have been reported. The women who say Donald Trump sexually harassed and assaulted them are joining together in a media blitz to remind America just what its sitting president is accused of. 19 women have accused Trump of sexual misconduct, and three of them appeared on NBC's Today Show Monday morning. And a new analysis of data from the nation's 50 largest police departments shows cops shoot people more than twice as often as previously believed. The analysis also found around 55% of people cops shot were black and 20% were unarmed. And now, here's the news you won't get anywhere else. As political chaos and tension continue to characterize the Trump administration, the pressure on Democrats to retake the House of Representatives in 2018 is stronger than ever. And as such, vice writer Robert Wheel has started a new weekly column called House Party, profiling electoral districts expected to be competitive. Here's senior politics editor Harry Cheadle speaking with Robert about what we can expect from his new column. You're not a professional political writer. You're not like a traditional reporter. So how did you get into covering house races so closely? Um, So I had actually been involved in politics years ago. But I think uh, during the Obama era, like a lot of people, I kind of considered that politics was in good hands. I could kind of focus on other things. But with the election of Trump, with a lot of people, again, kind of heightened their interest in electoral politics. And one thing I saw out there was that there are a lot of kind of scammy grifters out there really taking advantage of that. And I decided that there really needs to be a place on the internet where people can get informed news about who the best candidates are, who has a realistic shot of winning. So this the that's the genesis of the series. We're trying to give people really good intelligence on where Democrats could win back the House of Representatives. And do you think it's likely that they will win back the House? 
I would say that if the election were held today, that Democrats would win back the House. Um, if you look at national polling, Democrats are up around 10 points, in some cases even more, on uh, generic uh, ballot questions where pollsters will ask nationwide, if the election were tomorrow, would you vote for the Democratic or Republican candidate? Now, that might sound like a lot, but because the House is so gerrymandered, Democrats need around like an eight-point advantage on that poll question in order to uh, actually win back the majority. But the fact of the matter is not only are the national polls in their favor, but there are a lot of local polls in their favor. There are endangered Republicans right now who are trailing generic Democrats by more than 10 points. Last week, I saw uh, a Democrat in a district in Texas that voted for Romney by 20 percent, voted for Trump by like 15 percent. She was only trailing the Republican candidate by 6 percent in a poll. Wow. Democrats are in good shape. And there are a lot of Democrats running for these seats, right? Like as many as like five or six candidates in some cases. Yes. You know, in any election, um, there, you're going to have a lot of candidates on the ballot, especially some states, they have really easy ballot requirements. All you have to do is cut a check for $100 or something. What's really noteworthy is just, you know, the quality of the Democrats running. Um, there are some seats where you have upwards of five Democrats who've raised in the six figures, which is pretty rare a year before an election. And the fact that you might have multiple candidates in one seat raising a lot of money shows you just, you know, not only is the grassroots energy there, but there's also donor energy energy behind the Democrats as well. There's a lot of verve and energy on the Democratic side. So there are a lot of districts that are potentially in play. How should people who live in one of these districts get involved? Getting involved in local activist groups are the best way. You know, there are groups like Indivisible and Swing Left that have done a really good job of organizing people in local communities, especially in swingier districts. I would say that uh, they should obviously pay attention to our series because you probably don't live in a district that's a swing district, but you might live a few miles away from one that is, and your energy would be much better spent there. And um, I wanted to go into at least one district that was really interesting or important. Do you have any race that is a particular favorite of yours? One fact that people might have seen is that Democrats need to win 24 seats back to get a majority, but there are only 23 seats that are held by a Republican that voted for Clinton. So they're going to need some seats that voted for Trump. And the best of those seats for them to go after the ones that voted for Trump, but also Obama twice. And I think the most interesting of those to me is the New York 19th district, which is really uh, the Hudson River Valley, a few hours north of New York, really where Metro North ends. And you know, one of the reasons why it's so fascinating is you have you know, six candidates there raising credible amounts of money, six qualified Democrats. And so the voters there are going to have a lot of different options on who they want to represent them. But the field also represents a lot of the weaknesses that Democrats might have right now. Specifically, of those candidates, only one of them was really living in that district full time two years ago. They all have ties to it uh, to some degree, but, you know, kind of Democratic clustering in big cities uh, it also goes for kind of Democratic candidates who have been clustering in big cities. And so you have kind of outlying areas where Democrats are kind of moving to in order to run. And, you know, I wonder, you know, will people in those districts who might have voted for Obama, but then for Trump, will they like someone who was living in Manhattan last year representing them? It's an interesting question. And we'll find out. If you were advising a Republican who was worried about uh, this blue wave coming for them, what would you have them do? If I were advising a Republican trying to, to prepare for the blue wave, I would, you know, first of all, raise as much money as possible because Democrats are going to come with a lot of them. I would do my best to smear the candidates personally um, because 
you know, I think what we've seen in American politics is that uh, a lot of negative partisanship is very powerful. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why Democrats really need to be really you know, cognizant of these primaries that are playing out across the country because the number one way that we can blow our chance to take back the House of Representatives is by nominating candidates with weaknesses that a Republican candidate could really seize upon. Well, that's a very ugly view. <laughs> are there any particular states, like individual states, where you think Republicans are especially vulnerable? Um, well, California and New York um, both stand out because they have a lot of districts that voted for either Clinton or uh, Obama that are represented by Republicans. And the latest tax bill really penalizes uh uh, really Republicans in those states, too, because they, it limits their ability to deduct state and local taxes from their federal income taxes. So this tax bill, you know, even if it doesn't pass, a lot of these these Republicans are on record as having supported it. And you have, you know, both houses of Congress on record of having doing away with this deduction. So it's going to turn a lot of swingy voters in these seats that have voted for Republican candidates in the past. They're going to they're going to vote for Democratic candidates. But, you know, beyond that, New Jersey is another state where the tax issue could come into play. And there are five Republicans in New Jersey. Come 2018, there's a chance there will only be one Republican in the New Jersey congressional delegation. Um, also, the upper Midwest, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, they all have a lot of districts that swung from supporting Obama to supporting Trump and a lot of Republicans in those districts, as well as some Democrats in districts that might actually be endangered there. And we'll get into that in January. But, um, you know, the upper Midwest, if it sours on Trump and it's, it thinks that it's, he's not falling through with his promises, that'll be a really fruitful place for Democrats, including, you know, Speaker Paul Ryan, who in a recent poll was only up six on his uh, challenger, Randy Bryce. So what can we look forward to in the column as we get closer and closer to these midterms? You know, right now we're just kind of giving people summaries of where the races are right now so they know kind of the lay of the land and how uh, where Democrats are really, uh, you know, are actually contesting seats. Once we've kind of given people, you know, those 90 or so districts that might feasibly be in play, we're going to actually start covering the news from those districts. And as of the primaries approach, we'll be giving people in those states really a rundown of who the strongest candidates in their district are, though there's always a chance there's more than one qualified candidate. And ultimately, while we can kind of tell that there are some weaknesses or some strengths from afar, usually it's the voters of the district who are smart enough to pick out who the strongest candidate is. To read House Party, go to vice.com. All right, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. For more news and culture, check out vice.com. And tune in again tomorrow for another Vice Guide to Right Now. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier, and along with Kate Spencer, I host Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. Join us every Wednesday with guests like author Phoebe Robinson, chef Samin Nosrat, actress Busy Phillips, and even former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. On Mondays and Fridays, we have mini episodes where we answer listeners' questions on everyday problems like how useful a butt mask really is, how to deal with a petty friend, 
or how to relax after a long day. So join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Forever 35, where we're not experts, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>